Great day, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to the Strategic Possibilities Show, where we discuss success and growth to help you launch potential in your personal and professional life. My name is Emmett Ferguson, and I am your host. And today, I am here with my girlfriend, Kathleen Roy, and she is an expert communicator. She's been a professor of communication and public speaking for quite a few years. And uh, the first question that I had for you is, what makes you so passionate about public speaking and great communication? Well, I'm passionate about public speaking and great communication because it's so essential to success in the world. In any situation you're in, any profession, any type of uh, social situation, you have to be able to communicate. You have to express yourself. You have to express yourself clearly and articulately. And especially with public speaking, most people don't like it, but it's essential to be able to get up in front of a group of people and present something, to tell them something, to give them something important about yourself, about the job that you're doing. There's so many opportunities for public speaking in any type of career situation. I totally agree with that. And regardless of where you are, basically what you were saying was it's critical in so many areas of life. Where did you see it most applied in your life personally? Well, personally, I've been an educator for one thing. So I've always been in front of a classroom and not always as a public speaking professor. I've taught many different subjects and you have to be able to communicate what it is to the students very clearly. You can't be vague. You have to give very detailed instructions and you have to be able to appeal to different types of learning styles. So that was one area that I had to communicate in very frequently. And then I'm also an actor, and I was a stage actor for many years. So on a stage, I had to be able to communicate clearly to an audience. Sometimes it was a large venue. Sometimes it was a small venue. We had outdoor venues. We had venues with absolutely no microphones. So we had to be able able to project our voices very clearly in a loud, open area. Great. And one thing that I thought was most compelling is working with the different people, working in different environments, speaking in different environments. And I was interested, what are some of the techniques that public speakers or great communicators use to communicate with different types of people? Can you give us some examples of that? Your audience has to be considered. Your topic has to be considered and you yourself as somebody who is giving the speech has to be considered as well. So you're tailoring your speech for three different areas. You have to reach your audience. You have to know who your audience is. You have to know their demographics. Once you know that, then you can look at the environment of your speech. What type of environment are you giving the speech in? Is it indoors, outdoors? Is it a formal setting? Is it informal? All of these areas are very important because you're gonna tailor your speech to the crowd of people to the setting you're in. If it's a very formal speech in a large auditorium, you're on a stage at a podium with a microphone, it's a more formal event. You don't really have the ability to make eye contact with each and every person in an audience, but you want to maintain that illusion. So you are looking over their heads, but you're also scanning the room. You're scanning Uh. the four corners of the room. You are trying to make it look as if you are trying to reach each and every person. But again, it's more formal. You have a barrier between you and an audience with a podium. A stage is a barrier. A microphone is a barrier. A microphone carries your voice, but it also can create distortion, 
There can be technical glitches. So you have to take that into consideration. Absolutely. And then lastly, you're considering the topic. If a topic is a formal topic, it's a speech of commemoration, say, you want to be able to have that speech either memorized or written out, but yet be so familiar with it that you don't really need the script, but you also don't want to make it sound memorized. (laughs) You want to make it sound natural. But an informal setting where you can walk around the crowd in a classroom, in a small room, then you can relate to people in a more intimate fashion. You can get up closer to them. You can make actual eye contact. You can call out individuals in a room and ask them questions and try to draw them in to participate in the information. There's no reason you can't do that. It's not all about the speaker in an intimate setting. You can get the audience to interact with you. And it's a lot more fun that way for the audience as well. Mm Yeah, and going back to one of the things that you said earlier, I really, really thought it was great how you were sharing a tactic that was when you're speaking with a large audience that it's important that you do your best to communicate with as many of them as possible. And you also started talking about technology and how microphone speaking is different because you don't have people in front of you or you might just have one person in front of you or just a group of people. What are some of the techniques that you use to connect better with an audience, whether it's through a microphone, through a digital platform, with an audience that you can't see, or with a large audience that you might be standing in front of? What's some other ways that you can connect with them better, knowing that you can't make eye contact with every single one of them, and you might not be able to speak with every one of them individually? Well, that would come from doing research, Emmett. You want to know who your audience is. What part of the country are they from? What are their interests? What is their age group? Do they have children? What type of profession are they in? The more you know about your audience, you can tailor what you say to the audience. You can include references to the area they live in, to the type of profession they have, to their belief system. There's many different ways to make your speech more personal, but that's up to you to do the research. You have to do homework in order to be able to do that. Absolutely. And doing research on your audience is such an incredible, important factor. What are some examples that you can think of where maybe either a speech was just perfectly written for an audience, or maybe you have some great examples of a speech that just did not fit the audience well? You could tell that the speaker did not do a great job. I mean, either or. Well, I have several examples, but I can remember a speech in particular that was at a Baptist college, and the speaker used profanity. You could hear a pin drop in that 350-seat auditorium because profanity was something that this crowd was not used to hearing, and they didn't agree with it. It shocked them. You could almost hear an inward gasp of air coming from each and every person. This speaker was not well-received and was not invited back again. But in the same venue, other speakers have come in who have been on the same page with the audience. They've spoken about issues that relate to the audience, and they've used biblical references, which this audience was very familiar with. And that helped the speaker to connect to the audience, to motivate the audience, and to give them a familiar reference point that they could agree with. Your main goal in giving any kind of speech is to gain agreement from your audience. And however you do that, that's up to you. There's many different techniques for getting agreement from your audience. 
Just thinking about audience and your own personal speaking style, or the first person that you mentioned was someone who used profanity. And I'm curious, the way that that person spoke, did you, do you think that there might have been at least an audience that their speech might have fit and their speaking style would have fit? Or do you think they were just, just using profane language for no reason? Well, here's the situation. It was a college setting, a Baptist college, and usually speakers at a college setting, sometimes they want to connect to college students, so they use profanity thinking that it's it's funny. It's a way to relate to a young person and get them to relax and be on the same page, but not at this college. They mm. didn't research this particular college, which was run by the Baptist church. If they had, they would have known that it wouldn't have been cool or they should have checked with somebody. That taught me a lesson. Before I went to audition at NIFA, New York Film Academy, and I had to do a monologue in front of the administration, I asked them ahead of time, am I allowed to use profanity just because of this situation? And they, they kind of laughed and said, you can use whatever you want. This is Los Angeles. <laughs> Different crowd, different situation. Absolutely. And that's a really great lesson that you ask them for permission first. And I think this also goes back to Brian Tracy, who talks about speaking a lot. And Brian Tracy mentions to get the advice of the people who are in charge and know what they want as well. So going back to your story, I really enjoyed that you were able to bring back how they did want to appeal to the audience, but the people that were in charge might not have appreciated what that person had to say, which meant the Baptist college leaders. So I thought that was awesome is knowing the who the leaders are and what they want. We've spoken about oratory and speaking and knowing your audience. How about communications in general? What were some of the, the topics that you talked about for communications in general, as opposed to how you present to an audience or for theater? Communication in general is probably one of the most difficult things that we do as human beings, but it's the most essential thing that we do. We are born with a desire to communicate. From the minute we're out of the mom's womb, we are crying for attention, we're crying for food. We are making ourselves known in the world with a communication. And every mother knows her own baby. When she hears the baby cry, she knows what the baby wants. Someone else might not understand. They might say, oh, the kid is cranky. But the mom says, no, the kid has a, a wet diaper. That's the wet diaper cry. So from the moment we're born, we're learning to communicate. We're learning what works and what doesn't work to get our point across. But as we grow older and we learn that sometimes our communication style doesn't work. We say the wrong thing. We don't know what to say. We get into situations where we feel out of our element and we don't know what kind of things to talk about. So communication just becomes a problem sometimes for people. They, they get upset about the fact that they cannot connect. And communications in every area are different. You've got workplace communications, you've got interpersonal communications with the opposite sex for romantic purposes, you've got communications with your family, you've got communications that can be emotionally charged, you've got communications that are based purely on logic, but how logical are the participants in the communication situation? So there's so many variables, and it's not an exact science no matter how many times it's analyzed. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought it was so interesting that you brought up the example of the baby and the parent. And that's so, I think that's so interesting because if you really think about communication and how the mother somehow already understands the baby, I guess that almost makes 
the concept of when you're being raised by a parent, somehow you're, you're taught that they should understand what you want. And then as you grow older through childhood, more and more people start to understand you less at some point because you have to communicate with more people who all have different types of personalities who aren't your parents and who don't care about you as much. Or they might care about you, it's just they don't have that level of depth of communication with you and understanding. I, I, I thought that was a profound thing that you brought up, uh, thinking about how we communicate now as adults. And we don't expect others to read our minds and everything. You brought up the example of, as adults, there's so many different ways that we have to communicate. There's so many new types of people that we have to communicate, so many different new environments, whether it's the workplace or elsewhere. What are some of the strategies that you can apply besides just knowing your audience? Because of course, if you're gonna go do a job interview, then you're not gonna talk to them the, the same way that you're gonna be talking to your best friends out. So what specifically, what sort of strategies might you use besides just knowing the audience? Knowing nonverbal communication cues is very important. And a lot of it's cultural. Wherever you have grown up in the world, you have learned the type of communication that the people surrounding you use. I'm talking about the nonverbal communication cues, whether it's a wink, a nod, a smile, a hand gesture, a shrug of the shoulders, the way they're standing, walking, sitting, whatever. You may have learned to read that, but then if you go someplace different, there's a different type of body language. It, it varies by country, by culture, even by gender. Women are more apt to make eye contact, but they're doing it in a, how should I say it, sometimes a flirtatious way, whereas a man might be making eye contact to find out more about what that person is thinking whereas a woman might make it as a tentative gesture to see how that person feels about them. So there's so, so many varieties of body language. And of course, law enforcement experts are trained to read body language for veracity. If they can look at a person and see a certain shifting of the eyes, a twitching at the corner of the mouth, a fidgeting of the hands, or the foot is moving up and down, or the person is shaking their head, no, I didn't see anything, but then they start to nod unconsciously because they did see something. So body language doesn't lie. And if you're skilled at it, you can pretty much learn to read people, but it, it's hard. I think it's interesting that you brought up the example of police because it's almost as if they have to read body language for survival in what they do, or not even always survival situations when crime is involved, but even in situations where I guess it's just a just a pull so pulling someone over and having to be able to read body language that way it could be survival. And I definitely uh, totally agree that you know reading body language sometimes it can be subconscious or unconscious. You gave the example of nodding or, or moving from shaking your head to nodding and having to read that sort of language. What other examples can you give that are more tied to communication, appro communicating appropriately with others? Perhaps some mistakes that some people usually make with their physical communication. And what are some tips that you can give that can help people do it better? Physical communication is... Body language. It's Body language is... It's a difficult area, but there's a few things that the American culture really accepts with body language, and that's a firm handshake, 
It is looking someone directly in the eye, making eye contact. It's posture, standing up straight, giving that powerful stance. If you see businessmen, they look straight at each other. They shake hands and no one wants to give an inch. Walking into a doorway first is usually a sign of power. So sometimes you might see two businessmen trying to get into the door at the same time and they're jostling to get through this doorway that only one of them can fit through. And it can be rather comical if you pay attention to things like that. Another power play is sitting. The one standing in a room is more powerful than the one sitting. So usually the guest is invited to sit first because again, that's a, that's a power play. You're coming into someone's office. It's their office. They invite you to sit. So you should sit, but say it's a deal and you're trying to get the upper hand, you might not sit, you might keep standing until it gets uncomfortable and finally the other person sits. And you could feel like you've won this minor battle in the negotiation just because you didn't sit down. Wow, that is very interesting. And I could definitely see certain power moves happening, especially when you're dealing on a global scale or with big deals or you know a lot, a lot of political issues i've seen those heard heard of those examples that you mentioned and i even read somewhere that in arabic cultures the person that speaks the least is usually the most powerful whereas in american cultures powerful people tend to want to speak up more often and so i really liked your examples and i'm curious because we're not always in the, the general population and possibly most of the people listening you know we're not always in positions where we have to vie for power or you know we're negotiating a, a huge deal worth multiple hundreds of millions for oil or anything and we're not negotiating with other cultures where power and political pull are, is huge what about just everyday communication you, you did mention having the right posture which is fantastic but what are some maybe everyday communication examples that people can do with their body language to demonstrate perhaps more confidence or more competence or just that they're they're comfortable in their own skin? What are some body language examples for that? For those people who might not feel comfortable in social situations or communicating with others? Well, wear comfortable shoes. <laughs> okay. I know it may sound silly, but if you're not comfortable in your shoes and it makes you shift around, that can make you look weaker. So wear a good pair of comfortable shoes in situations where you feel you might not be as confident as normal. And I only say that from personal experience, but I think there's a lot to it. Also, think about the setting that you're going to be in in terms of what you wear. I think clothes do make the man or the woman having the right outfit on may sound superficial, but it's not because what you wear communicates so much about who you are. So always dress your best. Your clothes should be clean, wrinkle-free, spot-free, you know, impeccably tailored and cleaned and put together in any situation, whether it's a nice pair of blue jeans and a t-shirt or a suit or a dress. You should go into any situation feeling that you're dressed well. You're comfortable. You know you look good. Your hair is fresh. Your face is clean. Uh, your nails are clean. I can't stress enough the image that you're presenting, especially the first time you meet somebody. You're making an impression. So I don't care what it is. Going home to see your family, a first date, a job interview, 
even walking your dog. You never know who you're going to meet. So just try to look your best and always be polite. You never know who you're meeting on the way up because you're going to meet them on the way down. Be nice to everybody. Be polite. Be courteous. A a smile goes a long way toward making friends with people. Yeah, I really like that, how you mentioned clothes because... Body language can take some time to master. And earlier you were t- talking about how police people, they train for it. And of course, when people are speaking on a large scale, they practice it over and over. They practice their speeches. Yet the one thing that you brought up that I, was so, that I thought was so interesting was not only about body language, but it was something that most people do have control over and that's how they dress. Day to day, they can wear suits or they can just dress in cleaner outfits or they can just take care of their 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 fingernails and something like that is enough to to help someone feel more confident or just feel better about themselves and even if they haven't had years of training i think that's a great example of something that people can do to make themselves have better body language or appear to have better body language and it adds to a person's confidence when you look good you feel good you go out into the world knowing you're presenting you know a decent person to the world. And that's going to make you feel better no matter what you're doing. You know, now that we're talking about clothes and fashion, in a way, as it relates to body language and communication, can you give us some examples of clothing that communicates a certain idea? Well, yes, there's plenty of examples. And I hate to be stereotypical, but sometimes women dress provocatively and they don't understand why they're getting the wrong attention from men. And we're in the Me Too movement, and that shouldn't be happening, no matter what. But it happens, and it's kind of a double-edged sword, because if a woman is exposing certain parts of her body in a suggestive way, and a man is looking at her because of this, like, who can you say is wrong in this situation? They're both wrong, but why not avoid the situation? As a woman, you have power to put whatever you want on your body. Absolutely. Or not put on your body. And I've just seen so many situations where a woman doesn't get taken seriously because of the way she's dressed. It's happened to me. It's happened to my friends. And even with men, like you're going into a situation where you want to be taken seriously, but you're wearing shorts and um, a t-shirt or a tank top. But you look like a kid. You look like the paper boy. Okay, you're not going to get the respect you may have wanted. So yeah, you're trying to dress for a situation, but you're also perhaps trying to dress better than the situation calls for because that gives you more power in the situation. Wow, that's a really deep example. And I think that is a very interesting take on what's happening today in society and a lot of the conflict. And it's a very powerful topic, which we can definitely touch on another time. But it's interesting to hear your take on everything. And as we wrap up this discussion on communication, can you give some last minute tips on, let's say you're new to an environment and you had a little bit of time to study the audience so you know what it is that they're like, maybe whether it's a business environment or whether it's a casual party. What are some tips that you have after dressing nice, after knowing a little bit about who's going to be there, what are some basic tips that you can give about how someone can communicate more effectively in a new environment? I think it's important to go into a new environment with a little bit of ammunition. Words are power, and you want to use your words in a powerful way, but also in the right way. I think it's best to go into any new situation with your ears wide open and your mouth closed for a while. 
listen to what people are saying. Get a feel for the type of language they use. Don't be afraid to talk to some people, but perhaps you don't want to be the one doing all the talking. Get to know people with a friendly demeanor that's approachable, but not intimidating. Don't overpower people in their first meeting with you. Try to be friendly, try to fit in, but you don't have to try to be somebody who who you're not, but if you see that people are talking in a relaxed, casual manner, perhaps they're not using perfect grammar and there's a lot of slang being thrown around, you'll feel more comfortable if you kind of relax your own way of speaking and try to be more approachable to them. And on the other hand, say you go into a situation with highly educated academics and you may not feel able to hold your own, but you will be able to. But again, it's better to listen for a while, get the handle on the types of conversations they're having, and don't just blurt out the first thing that hits your mind. Have a filter. Some of us have no filter, and sometimes it's better to have a filter. So, you know, listen carefully, have a few interesting tidbits up your sleeve that you could talk about. Can you give us some examples of tidbits? Sure, everybody has interesting stories. And I'm not saying you want to tell risque stories or weird stories, but there must be a couple of things that you could pull out, whether it's about your pet. What did your dog do that was really cute? Everybody loves dogs. What did your cat end up getting into and tearing apart the other night that you thought was hilarious? So talk about something like that. Talk about your kids, but don't just dominate the conversation about kids. If you want to relate to somebody, you're trying to find common ground. What is something everybody could have in common? Usually it's pets, kids, cars, weather, that's boring, but (laughs) vacations, movies, current events. Stay away from politics and religion, of course. What's going on locally? What are some things? Is the park having issues with, I don't know, fires or rain? Or what's going on in the local government that's not too controversial, but could be interesting to discuss? Be knowledgeable about things. Know a lot of trivia. A lot of trivia. Yeah, read, pay attention, stay tuned into social media, know what's going on in the world. Also have a few good jokes. Not off-color jokes, just cute, funny jokes. Because your, I, your main goal in any communication situation is, number one, have a good time, get your point across, get to know people, find some things in common. You know, whatever it is you have as a, a specific goal, if it's to get a job or make friends, get, get a husband or wife, <laughs> the, the goals all end up becoming the same thing, which is be nice to people, be friendly. You want them to like you, but you don't want to go overboard ingratiating yourself to them. Just try to be yourself, and you can never go wrong if you ask questions about the other person. That's what Dale Carnegie says. Everybody loves to talk about themselves, so ask questions about the other person. That is some fantastic advice, and I really liked how you talked about ways to empower yourself and to feel better, more confident, more powerful in your communication, whether it's in a casual environment or environment where you do have to demonstrate some skill in working a room that might have powerful people and also enjoyed how you talked about it more socially of how to communicate and how to connect with other people on a more personal level so thank you so much for doing this podcast with me really appreciate it i'm sure the audience can learn so much from what you were able to discuss just now 
Do you have any final words of wisdom, of communication? Everyone out there is a person just like you are. Now, I've talked to people such as Barack Obama, talked to former President Gerald Ford. I've talked to actors. I'm not going to drop their names, but famous actors. And I try to be funny. That's my style. But you have to find your style. I've always gotten people to open up by just being cute and friendly and making some little funny pun. But then if I find out there's something in their life, because every now and then someone will say something a little more personal. And then you can really relate usually to what they've had to say, whether it's, oh, my, my dad is really sick and I'm really worried about him. Okay, wow. You know, maybe... Maybe I can help. Maybe I have some things I can say that'll make this person feel better. No matter how powerful a person is, we all share the same emotions. So have fun with communications. Be fearless. Be friendly. Love it. That was great. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Kathleen Roy, for doing this podcast with me. And have a great night, great day, great afternoon, great morning, everybody. And uh, wish you the best. Good night, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I was really glad to talk about this subject. It's a very important subject to me, and I wish you the best in all your future communications. Bye.